Then came the ideal of God, Almighty and all-powerful, the omnipotent, omniscient, omniscient ruler of the universe. He lives in the heaven, and man pays special tribute to his most beloved, who creates everything for man. The whole world is for man. The sun and moon and stars are for him. All who have those ideas are primitive men, not civilized, not cultivated at all. At the superior religion, had their growth between the Ganga and Euphrates. Outside of India, we will find no further development of religion beyond the idea of God in heaven. That was the highest knowledge ever obtained outside India. There is the local heaven where he is and where the faithful shall go when they die. As far as I have seen, we should call it a very primitive idea, mumbo-jumbo in the Africa and the God in the heaven in the same and he moves the world and of course his will is being done everywhere. The old Hebrew people did not care for any heaven. That is one of the reasons they opposed Jesus of Nazareth because he taught life after death. Paradise in Sanskrit means the land beyond this life. So the paradise was to make up all for all this evil. The primitive man does not care about evil. He never questions why there should be any. The word devil is a Persian word. The Persian and Hindus share the Aryan ancestry upon religious grounds and they spoke the same language only the words one sect uses for the good, the other uses for the bad. The word Deva is an old Sanskrit word for God, the same word in the Aryan language. Here the man word means the devil. Later on when the man developed his inner life, he began to question and to say that God is good. The Persians said that there were two gods, one was good and the other was bad. Their idea was that everything in this life was good, beautiful country, where there was spring almost the whole year around and nobody died, there was no disease, everything was fine. Then come this wicked one and he touched the land and then come death, disease and mosquitoes and tigers and lions. Then the Aryans left their fatherland and migrated southwards. The old Aryans must have lived the way to the north. The Jews learned the idea of the devil from the Persians. Persians also taught that there will come a day when this wicked god will be killed and it is our duty to stay with the god, good god and add our force to him in his eternal struggle between him and the wicked one. The whole world will be burnt out and everyone will get a new glory. The Persian idea was that even the wicked will be purified and not the bad be bad anymore. The nature of the Aryan was the love and the poetry. They cannot think of their being burnt for eternity. They will all receive new bodies, then no more death. So that is the best about religious ideas outside of India. Along with that is the ethical strain. All that man has to do is to take care of the three things, good thought, 
good word, good deed. That is all. It is a practical, wise religion. Already there has come a little poetry in it, but there is higher poetry and higher thoughts. In India, we see the Satan in the most ancient part of the Vedas. He just appears and immediately disappears. In the Vedas, the god, the bad god, got a blue blow and disappeared. He is gone and the Persians took him. We are trying to make him leave the world altogether. Taking the Persian idea, we are going to make a decent gentleman of him, give him a new body. There was the end of Satan idea in India. But the idea of God went on. But mind you, here comes another fact. The idea of God grew side by side with the idea of materialism until you have dressed it up the, to the emperor of Persia. But on the other hand comes the metaphysics philosophy. There is another line of thoughts, the idea of non-dual Atman and my old man's souls. That also grows. So outside India, ideas about God had to remain in that concrete form until India came up to help about a bit. The other nations stopped with that old concrete idea. In this country, means America, there are millions who believe that God is having a body. Whole sect says it that they believe he rules the world, but there is a palace place where he has a body. He sits upon a throne, they light candles and sing songs just as they do in our temples. But in India, they are sensible enough never to make their God a physical being. You never see in India a temple of Brahma. Why? Because the idea of the soul always existed. The Hebrew race never questioned about the soul. There is no soul idea in the Old Testament at all. The first is in the New Testament, the Persian. They become so practical, wonderful practical people, a fighting, conquering race. They were the English people of the old times, always fighting and destroying their neighbors too much engaged in that sort of things to think about the soul. The oldest idea of the soul was that of the fine body inside this gross one. The gross one disappears and the fine one appears. In Egypt, that fine one also dies and as soon as the gross body disintegrates, the fine one also disintegrates. That is why they built those pyramids and embalmed the dead bodies of their ancestors thus hoping to secure immortality of the, for the departed. The Indian people have no regard for the dead body at all. Their attitude is, let us take it and burn it. The son has to set fire to his father's body. There are two sorts of races, the divine and the demonic. The divine think that they are soul and spirit. The demonic think that they are bodies. The old Indian philosopher tried to insist that the body is nothing as a man emits his old garment and takes a new one. Even so, the old body is shed and takes a new one. In my case, all my surrounding and education were trying to make me the other way. I was always associated with the Mohammedans and Christians who take more care of the body. 
It is only one step from the body to the spirit. In India, they become insistent on the ideals of the soul. It becomes synonymous to the idea of the God. And if the idea of the soul begins to expand, the man must arrive at the conclusion that it is beyond the name and form. The Indian idea is that the soul is formless. Whatever is form must break some time or other. There cannot be any form unless it is the result of force and matter, and all combinations must dissolve, if such is the case. If your soul is made of name and the form, it disintegrates and you die, and you are no more immortal. If it is double, it has a form and it belongs to the nature. It obeys the nature, the laws of the birth and the death. They find that this soul is not of the mind and neither a double. Thoughts can be guarded and controlled. The yogis of India practiced to see how far the thoughts can be guarded and controlled. By dint of hard work, thoughts may be silenced altogether. If thoughts were the real man, as soon as the thought ceases, he ought to die. Thought ceases in meditation. Even the mind's elements are quite quiet. Blood circulation stops. His death breath stops, but he is not dead. If thought were he, the whole thing ought to do go, but the defined does not go. That is practical proof. They came to the whole conclusion that even mind and thought were not the real man. Then speculations showed that it could not be. I come, I think and talk. In the midst of all this activity, this unity, two of the self, my thought and actions are varied, many folds, but in and through them runs that one unchangeable one. It cannot be the body that is changing every minute. It cannot be the mind, a new and a fresh thought come all the time. It is neither the body nor the mind. Both body and mind belongs to the nature and must obey the nature's law. A free mind never will. Now therefore, this real man does not belong to the nature. It is the person's whole mind and body belong to the nature. So much of the nature we are using just as you came and used the pen and ink and chair, so he uses so much of the nature in fine and in the gross form. Gross form, the body and fine form, the mind. If it is simple, it must be formless. In the nature alone are forms, that which are not of nature cannot have any forms, fine or gross. It must be formless, it must be omnipresent. Understand this, take this glass on the table, the fine glass is form and the table is form. So much of the glassness goes off, so much of the tableness when they break. The soul is nameless because it is formless. It will neither go to the heaven nor to the hell any more than it will enter this glass. It takes the form of the vessel it feels. If it is not in space, either of the two things is possible. Either the soul permeates space or space in it. You are in space and must have a form. Space limits us, binds us and makes 
a form of us. If you are not in space, space is in you. All the heavens and the world are in the person. So it must be with God. God is omnipresent without hands, his grasp, everything, without feel he can move. Shvetashvatara Upanishad He is the formless, the deathless, the eternal. The idea of God came. He is the Lord of souls. Just as my soul is the Lord of my body. If my soul left the body, the body would not be for a moment. If he left my soul, the soul would not exist. He is the creator of the universe. Of everything that dies, he is destroyer. His shadow is death, his shadow is life. The ancient Indian philosophers thought, The filthy world is not fit for man's attention. There is nothing in the universe that is permanent, neither good nor evil. I told you, Satan did not have much chance in India. Why? Because they were very bold in religion. They were not babies. They have seen the characteristics of children. They are always trying to throw the blame on someone else. Baby minds are trying to make, when they make a mistake, to throw the blame upon someone else. On the other, on the one hand, we say, give me this, give me that. On the other hand, we say, I did not do this. The devil tempted one, the devil did it. That is the history of mankind, the weak mankind. Why is evil, why is the world is filthy, dirty, whole, and we have made it? Nobody is to blame. We put our hands in the fire. The Lord blesses us. The man gets just what he deserves. Only he is merciful if we pray to him and helps us. He gives himself to us. That is their idea. They are of a poetic nature. They go crazy over poetry. Their philosophy is poetry. This philosophy is a poem. All high thought. The Sanskrit is written in poetry, metaphysics, astronomy, all in the poetry. We are responsible and how do we come to mischief? You may say, I was born poor and miserable. I remember the hard struggle of all my life. Philosophers say that you are to blame. You do not mean to say that. All this sprang up without any cause whatever. You are a rational being, your life is not without cause, and you are the cause. You manufacture your own life at all the time. You make the, and mold your own life. You are responsible for yourself. Do not lay the blame upon anybody, any satan, and you will only get punished a little more. A man is brought up before God, and he says, 31 strives for you. When comes another man, he says, 30 strives, 15 that for that fellow and 15 for the teacher. That awful man who taught him, that is the awful thing in teaching. I do not know what I am going to get. I go all over the world. If I have to get 15 for each one I have taught. We have to come to this idea, this Maya is divine. This is my activity, the my own divinity. My Maya is hard to cross. but. Those that take refuge in me go beyond Maya. But you find out that it is very difficult to cross this ocean yourself. It is the old question, hen and egg. If you do any work, that work becomes the cause and produces the effect. The effect again becomes 
the cause and produces the effect and so on. If you push this down, it never stops. Once you set a thing in motion, there is no more stopping. I do work, good or bad, and it sets up a chain reaction and cannot stop now.